Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Hey man, how you doing? You look a little chubbier than you did last week. But hey, you know, I am, I was looking in the mirror, looking at myself. I just was thinking I, what I was going to say when Lauren interrupted me uh, <laughs> was I was thinking about, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Tim and Lauren went uh, on a cruise and they went around the Mediterranean and we watched the kids for uh, like half a year, <laughs> something like that. It was, anyway, we watched the kids and uh, one day, I can't even remember where we were, but we Elias just had a meltdown, you know, and he just, I mean, putting him in the car seat was a fight. He didn't, he was like fighting me to, he didn't want to be in the car seat. He was just fighting. He didn't want to bend, you know, and I'm in the, you're just fighting. You're, you're like, oh, and you're just fighting. He's just wailing. He is just so, un, we don't even know what he's unhappy about. He's just unhappy. He's, you know, he's tired whatever it is. It's the mystery of a three-year-old, you know. Uh, just that mystery, and he's miserable. And so he's crying, wailing, screaming in the back seat, and in a little while he quietens down. And this little voice, little sweet voice, he starts singing a song. I miss my dad. I miss my daddy. I miss my dad. <laughs> and we're like, oh. <laughs> don't you ever, don't you kind of feel that way when you come to church sometimes? That it's like, it's, the Bible goes out of, out of its way to make it about a relationship with God our Father. When Jesus called God Father, when he said, when he began to pray to God as Father, that was so revolutionary. Just, they just saw, you know, I mean, you think about the Jews, they can't even spell out the name of God with the vowels because it, it's be disrespectful. So, so everything was God's at this distance and if sacrifices and all these things and behavior and you can't get close and Jesus just pulls us in to Abba Father. And we're going to be talking about that. We're going to start a series about the Lord's Prayer, about how Jesus said, pray like this. And you ever feel like you're a lousy prayer? Anybody feel like I'm not very good at it? I've been doing this a whole life. I'm not very, still not very good at it. Uh, so we're going to be talking about prayer. So I want to finish today our series, the, the series that never ends, uh, on your purpose, <laughs> finding your purpose. Uh, and... Uh, I think we need to, the reason I want to end this year in prayer, because I feel like 2024, uh, we want to make it a year of prayer. I think uh, what came to my mind is when I was thinking about 2024, we want to pray like never before, uh, because there are problems coming and there are opportunities coming. And we want to be able to be ready for both, right? We want to be ready for both. So we're going to be talking about that. So in this series so far, we've talked about the first week, you're a masterpiece, you're rare, you're special, you're valuable. The second week, we've talked about the purpose of your purpose. God created your own purpose with a purpose. Uh, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he wants you to know it. He's not trying to hide it from you. 
the third week we talked about the focus of your purpose. The focus of your purpose is to seek first the kingdom, put God first in your life. Let everything else revive, revolve around God. Don't try to just add God as an add-on. It never works. Uh, how to know God's will, how to determine what steps God wants you to take, what's the next step for your life, the direction for your life. We talked about that week four. Then we talked about we were created to worship and that really all of our life, every activity is worship. Every, everything we do, we do for the glory of God. So everything in our life is worship. So how we do that's important. Then we talked about worshiping worship, how, that we actually do worship and how we do that and that God wants us to be people who do that with all of our heart, that are, that are all in, that we need, we're not just, it's not just going through the motions. God never wants us to do anything going through the motions, but, but how we worship with all of our heart. Then the last two weeks we talked about the stewardship of your purpose and that God has ex- expectations about how you use the resources he's given you. And, and so it's, it's important. And then we talked about this. I want you to make sure you understand this. Grace el- eliminates the need of works to earn God's love, but it also empowers us to do good works because we know we're loved. So grace means we're, we're not doing stuff so that God will love us because of what Jesus did, God does love us. But grace is not just an unmerited favor. That's one of the definitions of grace. It's also an empowerment. And grace empowers us then to do things, to do the works that God's called us to do, not to get God's love, but because we have God's love. So it's a whole, motivation's everything, isn't it? It's a, it's a different motivation. So today I want to wrap up today with the purpose of the church. Why does the church exist? Why does this church exist? Why are we here? Uh, Jesus, in, in some of his very last appearances before he ascended to the Father, he gave us what I believe are the marching orders of the church. We have a church purpose. We have a vision statement, all of that. And it's all you know, nice and neat. This is really, every church's purpose is here. So you know, we all try to say it you know, in a cool way of what our, you know, what our values are. But this is what it's all about. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. These are great challenges. So we're to go and make disciples. And what is a disciple? A disciple is actually someone who will go and make disciples. A disciple is someone who is about the business of of being a disciple and making disciples. So it's an unending process. So every disciple should be making disciples, right? If we're disciples, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. If we're disciples, we should be making disciples. So that's that's the process. So we're we're disciples, making disciples. And where are we supposed to go? He says, well, I want you to go make disciples of all the nations. So we're supposed to go where people haven't heard and really, that where people haven't heard in today's cultural landscape is virtually everywhere. I mean, the world, America, Texas, Dallas, Sunnyvale, there are, it's our culture and the world has changed so much that there's so many people who don't have a clue what real Christianity is. Most of what they have seen in their what they've seen in media and what they've seen portrayed is often, too often, a caricature, 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 you know what I mean, uh, of, of, a, of a, what true Christianity is all about. 
Acts 1.8, Jesus says, as he's ascending to the Father, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on, upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you don't have to go to the ends of the earth to be around people who haven't heard. A lot of you work with people that are ends of the earth. They don't have a clue what it means to be a follower of Christ. You have family that are lost as a goose. Uh, co-workers who just haven't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and we live in communities all around us that are so lost that they are the ends of the earth. So, so we each all need to be actively involved in telling people about Jesus, and we need to be supporting people that are going to the ends of the earth. And when we say support, every missionary, whoever walks in here that's going to someplace, either locally or in a foreign place, there's two things they want. They want prayer and they need money. I mean, it's just a reality, right? I mean, how many of you go to work, you know, tomorrow you're going to work, say, listen, you don't need me to pay me this week. I'm just going to do it for the fun because I love it. Be great to do that, but, you know, most of us can't do that. So who are the ends of the earth? It's the homeless to us. It's the homeless in downtown Dallas. I mean, for most of us, they're living a world apart. And it, and it kind of boggles our mind when we think about how would we relate and communicate and effectively help those people besides giving them a bunch of snack crackers and uh, wet wipes. I mean, what could we, you know, so to us, it's, it, they're world apart. apart. So, so gospel, you know, we, we, we reach out to them. The hungry and poor in our community. Uh, women facing unexpected pregnancy, both here and in Uganda. Uh, to the atheist in Tallinn, Estonia, where we're helping to establish a church in Tallinn, Estonia, where, where, where they're glad to be rid of communism, but they retained the atheism of communism. Uh, to, the, to the bush of Kenya, where Jay Newsom has gone numerous times and planted many, many churches in the middle, really, of the wilderness, the bush of Kenya. The mountains of Nepal, and West Bengal, India. But we're all called to make disciples. And, uh, you know, sometimes when it's everybody's responsible, nobody's responsible. It's kind of like the work refrigerator. You ever have a, you have a situation where some, like a refrigerator that everybody's supposed to keep and nobody keeps it? The church refrigerator is that way. That... Because, you know, people will come to me and say, there's stuff out of date in your refrigerator. I say, it's not my refrigerator. That's, that's your refrigerator as much as it's my refrigerator. Like, it's, you know, it's, I'm not putting stuff in it. Trust me, I'm not putting stuff in the refrigerator. Johnny is, but I'm not. <laughs> you know, so, but, but you can, I mean, it, you know, it can get weird about, you know, stuff's growing in there that you could... You can probably, it'll probably could cure some major diseases with stuff that's happening. Uh, so one of the major understandings, when we talk about the church and telling people about Jesus, one of the major understandings of how culture views Christianity is that they think of church as a building, right? I'm going to church. And the church is not a building, but it is. <laughs> the church is a building 
But this building, and nor any other building, is not the church. There's, a, there's not a physical building that is the building that is the church. It is a building that is built by God, made of living stones being built into a spiritual house. So the house that God is building, 1 Peter 2, 45 says this, 2, 4, and 5, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we're being built, God, we're living stones that God is building into his church, his building. We are, 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, 3.9 says, we are God's fellow workers, you're God's field, you're God's building, we're God's building. Have you ever seen the way a stonemason works? It's so fascinating to watch someone who's really good at stonework. And the guys who did the stonework here were from El Salvador. Very, they were very gifted uh, masons, and it's it's one level to be a brick mason, but to be a stone mason is is so talented because as they're building the wall, uh, they've got this load of rock that has been dumped, you know, at their feet, and they're building the wall, and so they 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 look at the wall and they think, okay, what needs to go there? It's 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 a, it's a tremendous because it's artistry and craftsmanship, and it's happening, you know, at the same time, so. You know, so you look at the wall, and they think, oh, what does it need? And so they, they look at the pile, and they, can, they see a rock that, oh, this, is, this would be good. But no rock that they pick up is going to be perfect for where they want it to go. So every brick mason has in his hand a hammer. And so he picks up that rock that it's, it's best suited for the hole that he sees, and then he starts chipping away at the extra bits. To where, to where it fits where he wants it to be. And that's what God does to us. We're living stones. So as God's living stones, there's, there's, there's all, always areas, but God's fitting us into the wall of the place where he wants us in his building. It's his building. It's his church. So he has to decide where we fit. He puts us in the body as he wills, not as we will. He sets us in the body. And so he's, he, he often works on us. And what's, what's interesting is that how God works, he uses the people around us sometimes to chip at us. Because you, you <laughs> it's in relationship that you often realize that you've got some rough edges. You know, I mean, I didn't even know I had a temper until I had kids. I never had a problem with my temper until I had children. Does that make sense? So relationship, I mean, you know, when you're alone on a desert island, you know, unless you have Wilson with you, you don't have much problem getting along. So 1 Peter 2, 4, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by man, but chosen by God and precious to him, you're being built into a spiritual house. We are God's building. So this is how God builds his house. So we're God's building, and he's using us to build his building, and he wants to make his building bigger. So he wants, he wants us to be bringing new people into the kingdom. 1 Peter 2.5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in 
In Scripture, it says, See, I lay in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has Jesus has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that causes them to fail, to fall. They stumble because they dis- disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So Jesus because of who he is, creates people to stumble. He is an offense. He is the rock of offense to some people because Christianity came into a culture that didn't have a problem with gods. The Romans had lots of gods. They'd taken all the Greek gods, and the Greeks had taken the, the, the Canaanite gods, uh, had, they t- so they'd taken all the gods and they had multiplied on those gods. And so the Romans had taken the Greek gods. And so, you know, Apollo became Zeus or Zeus became Apollo or one or the other, you know. I, don't, I can't remember. Uh, but they were all there. So then, then the Christians came along and said, hey, uh, all those gods are idols and there's nothing to them. They're just pieces of wood and stone. And to worship them is a waste. Now, that wasn't popular. You see, it, the Romans actually called the Christians atheists because they just believed in a God and not the gods. And they were offended, and people are st- still offended today if you tell people, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life No one comes to the Father but through me. And if you try, Jesus said, if you try to get into the kingdom of heaven any other way, if you try to climb up any other way, if you try to devise another method to get to heaven through your own works or through your own religion or through your own ability, other than faith in Jesus Christ, he said, you're a thief and a robber. That's pretty divisive words, aren't they? So Jesus causes people to stumble when we say Jesus is the only way to salvation. So that's the challenge. He's the rock of offense. But you're a chosen people. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So first of all, so who are we? So it's important that we know who we are. First of all, we're chosen people. God chose us, which is incredible that God chose us. I mean, they did great to be chosen. I mean, think about it. Didn't you, when you were playing sports as a kid, and so they would line up to choose teams, and so you'd have the two, either the older brothers or the older ones, or the, kind of the, the ones that were the most gifted, sports-like you know, jocks, then they would start picking teams. And, you're, and what's, your, what's your prayer, your earnest prayer is, oh, I, God, don't let me be picked last. I want to be picked. I want to be picked. And I, but I don't want to be picked last because I don't want to be, you know, a loser. I don't want people to recognize, I don't want people to recognize how actually unqualified I am. Uh, so it's amazing to think that God chose us because he knows how unqualified you are. 
but yet he chose us anyway. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us, in the beloved. Oh man, there's just so much there. He's saying you're chosen, you're called, you're adopted, you're beloved. He's saying you're, cho- you're chosen to, to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have this inheritance. He said you have an inheritance in heaven. You have an inheritance. It's incredible. You have an inheritance. How would you live if, if today you opened up the mail that came yesterday, but you were too lazy to go get it. But today you opened up the mail, or maybe it didn't even come yesterday. Is, does mail even come on Saturdays anymore? I don't know. Anyway, so, because it's all junk anyway, I hardly look. Uh, and bills, so what's the fun in that? Uh, but you open up the mail and you find out the DNA test comes back. And it says, your closest relatives, one of your closest, Jeff Bezos is your father. Jeff Bezos is your father. Guess what? You know what you look and you say, I'm loaded. <laughs> Even accidentally I'm loaded. I, it's going to change your whole mindset when you, if you recognize the resources that are available to you because of who you are. And the same thing is true. When we recognize that we're called and we're chosen and who we, whose we are, which family we've been adopted into. That your inheritance in Christ looks, makes Bezos look like a bozo. Because there's nothing compared to the true inheritance that we have. Because you can have money and not have peace. You can have wealth and not have any kind of joy. It doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't change you. It just makes you look better doing it, right? So we're so, just that incredible thing. I'm chosen by God. The God of the universe, for some unexplicable reason, looked down through history and said, unbelievably, I want that one. Isn't that incredible? So we're a chosen people, and... We're a royal priesthood. And so the, a priest is empowered to represent God to the people. He has a responsibility. So we're a royal priesthood. First Peter 2, 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In Revelation 5, 9, I love this. It says, and they sang a new song because what's the... What's the normal song of heaven? We know the normal song of heaven is holy, holy, holy is the Lord. But when Jesus shows up, they start singing new songs. And they sing a new song singing, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God men with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. So what he said, we're a kingdom of priests. And so we're representing God to the people so that, so that in turn we can present to God people 
as we represent God to the people, then people come to know God and we get to present them to God. That's it's kind of one of the things we're doing in baptism is that it's, it's we're joining the bride, joining the family. Paul says it this way. Paul is talking about how God used him. Romans 15, 16. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, which is what God had called him to do, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so offering to the Gentiles, representing God. You represent God. You and I represent God to the world. So representing God so that my offering to the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So he says, so that my offering to God of the Gentiles that I've represented God to will be acceptable to God. He said, so I've got a job. I'm representing God to the world. We're representing God to the world. We represent, you know, I know you've heard some people say, your life is the only Bible some people ever read. So how we live is important. Then he says we're a holy nation. So a holy nation is this, God's desire was to have a people. He had a people. When he called Abraham, what was his promise to Abraham? He says, I'm going to make you into a nation. And he did. He, he said to Abraham, Abraham, you're going to have a multitude of family, an innumerable amount of family. There's going to be this great multitude. You're going to be a nation. So God's desire is for a nation, and he's called us to be a nation. First Peter 2.9, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he's saying, who do you think you are? Because who you think you are will determine your effectiveness in the kingdom. Do you think you're chosen? Do you think you're a priest? Do you think you're a holy nation? Quit living like you don't know who you are. If you're Jeff Bezos' kid, you're not going to live in poverty. Right? Guess what? You're better than that. You're the king's kid. We are chosen. We are a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. So we need to live for who we are. Titus 2.13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Zealous for good deeds. So God chose you before the foundation of the world. The Bible tells us pretty clear about this. And and he wrote you into his will. The Bible calls it the book of life. So before the foundation of the world, God chose you, and I don't know how that works. I'm, it's, it's beyond my pay grade, okay? But it works. It'll all make sense eventually. So God wrote us into his plan, and he made us inheritors as his children. He wrote us into his will. But, but there was no way for us to get our inheritance because you know how, how will works? 
Somebody has to die for you to get the inheritance. So since God couldn't die, gods don't die. If they're gods, they don't die. So Jesus humbled himself and came in the flesh. He humbled himself. The reason Jesus came, the reason the baby came in a manger, the reason we have the Christmas story, the reason that there is an incarnation, there's that moment where, where God shows up in, in human history, in human flesh, the reason that happened because in flesh he came to be born and to die. He was also slain before the foundation of the world. So when Jesus died, what happened is that it, it made the will available. It made us recipients of the inheritance of all that God has for us in Christ Jesus so that everything Jesus gets in eternity, we do too. So the Bible describes it like this. He says, <laughs> Paul says, I has not seen, ears not heard, neither has it even entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. He said, you, you, haven't, you can't even imagine it. You, you, you can't, if you, you use your best imagination, it's out there too far. Because he loves us. What I said at the beginning, God eliminates the need of works to earn God's love, but it also empowers us to do good works because we know we are loved. How we live when we know we're loved and who we are is so different. So our lives, what he's saying is our lives are the primary tool that God uses for sharing the good news. One of the primary ways that God shares the good news is that he's using us. The end of this passage, 1 Peter 2, 11, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against the soul. So you've always wondered, are there aliens? Obviously there are. But you're it. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So there are three things that allow us to witness Christ effectively. Number one is Jesus said this, they'll know they're my disciples if you love one another. First not First John, John 13, 14. They'll know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So how we love each other as Christians is powerful. And how, how, we show, how we show the love of God as people, as the body of Christ, our main witness is, is it, we're the building, we're the body. How are people going to hear about Jesus? Somebody has to tell them. But it, it's almost, it's got to be a show and tell. We have to demonstrate it. So it, it's important. So we have to love each other. Loving, loving each other is a, is a challenge. We can only love each other with the power that God gives us. Loving people is difficult because people, God created us so different and so unique. He made us a body, and that's a whole other group of sermons that I'm not going to extend this series any longer. So anyway, but there's a bunch of sermons there. In John chapter 17, he says this, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you, you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us that the world will believe that you sent me. So he's saying that there, there needs to be a unity. The, the, the Father and the Son are one. There's not disagreement. So how we love each other is important. 
And then, then how we disagree with each other is important. You say, how does unity operate? Unity operates when, when unity is not natural. Disunity is natural. So if you, if you want to have unity in your marriage, it won't just happen. You have to work for it because there are things that are going to come up like your personality. <laughs> you know, because there's just so many good things to argue about in marriage, about, you know, what's the right way to load a dishwasher? You know, does the toilet paper go over the top or the bottom? And listen, if you want to go to heaven, it goes over the top. I'm just saying, if it goes over the bottom, you're probably, you're probably a Calvinist or something, uh, which is not a bad thing. Uh, but so unity has to be fought for. And so he said, so we're going to fight for unity with the qualifier of love. We're going to love each other but we're going to contend for this relationship. So, so then we're going to contend uh, in unity. You see, unity is, is not revealed when everything's going smoothly. Every system works, of political systems, works when everybody wants to get along. But when nobody wants to get along, nothing works. So we have to love each other. We have to desire to love each other and and what social media has equipped us to be critics and attackers. And so whatever, whatever position you claim today, if you put it out, if you're stupid enough to put it out, I'm, I'm not trying to call you stupid, I'm sorry. Uh, but if you're stupid enough to put it out on social media, let's, let's say, let's, let's just do something simple. We're going to do a, a diagram of how you tie a shoe. You're going to have detractors that tell you you're an idiot for the way you did it because there's a better way and you should know that way. And so before you know it, there's a camp that hates you and there's a camp that love you on, because you said something about tying shoes or the way you cut the birthday cake at your kid's birthday party or any event. Now, social media has made us critics about everything. It's, so we're just ready. And, and so even in the body of Christ, something happens like uh, Kat Von D. God's doing some incredible things in the kingdom. And Kat Von D, you may know who Kat Von D is. Kat Von D was a, is a tattoo artist that was on the show Inks or Ink Masters or something. I never saw it. I don't know. But, but Kat Von D was... Very outspoken witch on this tattoo show. And about a year ago, something began to happen in her life. And she denounced witchcraft and got rid of all her witchcraft books and paraphernalia and mumbo jumbo. And then not too recently, she got saved and they... She posted a video of her being baptized at a little Baptist church. And she kind of gave a little brief testimony. And she has been under a horrible attack. Not by the world. 
but by the church. Because there's people like, well, she can't be a Christian because she's got tattoos. Well, or she can't be a Christian because, okay, there's no way. We haven't seen the fruit of it. Well, you know, most of us, we haven't seen any fruit from you, but we still love you. I mean, think about it. But we we're, just have become so equipped at attacking. So we've got to change that mindset. God, that we need to contend for unity. We need to contend for people. Love covers a multitude of sins. We need to look for ways to bring people in, not to say, well, I don't know, Joe Skipper, you're just a little outside the line. You know, you, you've done some crazy stuff. So, you know, I mean, and that's all of us. I just picked on Joe because he's right here and he's an elder, so, you know, you sign up for that. So, unity, fighting for unity, fighting to show people the love of Christ. How we respond to the world with the message of hope. Last thing, I gotta quit. 1 Peter 3 14. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Don't fear what they fear, don't be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord, always being prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ Jesus may be ashamed of their slander. So we need to live in such a way that we're not ashamed to tell people about Jesus and we operate from who we are, but we need to be prepared. We need to live in such a way, is what he's saying, as a holy nation, a royal priesthood, as chosen people, we need to live in such a way that people, as we live around them and work around them, people say to us, it eventually happens, what is up with you? What's going on? Why are you? See, we get to, we don't have to be preachy. We don't have to go, y'all are all going to hell, by the way. You know, we don't have to do that. That's the temptation. We don't have to do that. What We just live such, he says, live such godly lives, live lives that people say, wow, what's going on with that person? Because you know, when we when I know that when you went through that crisis, when they, you got the cancer diagnosis, that man, as you've been going through that, you've had such peace. It doesn't even make sense to me how you've got any semblance of peace going on because of what's happening to you. I don't understand it. I said, man, when your kids were doing drugs and they were acting crazy and, and you were able, you kept loving them, but you didn't excuse their behaviors. There's just all, it's just life. Just as you just are doing life as a believer and you're trying to handle the mistakes that you make and the stupid things that you do. And people are going to see that and say, they'll see something different. And they're going to ask you, what's the reason for the hope that is in you? And they'll just open a door. You don't have to barge in. Your life lived as chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Your life lived as who you are in Christ will open the door for the gospel and people will ask you and you can give them a reason. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. I want to tell you and they're going to say, well, what about this? What about this? No, man, I don't have all the answers. 
I don't. Do you? But I do know this. I once was blind, but now I see. I know that Jesus changed my life. And I know that he's, he helps me and he's with me. I believe he's for me. I believe, I believe he's like my spiritual daddy. I believe that there are times in the night when I'm alone and hurting and wounded that I can say, I miss my daddy. I miss my dad. I can cry out. Paul says we cry out, Daddy, Daddy. That's the relationship. He, he sent Jesus to die so that our relationship would be like a father and a child. And that's, that's the hope within us. Who doesn't love that story? Right? That's our calling. All right. Somebody needs to stop. It's, I'm blame, I blame you. Let's stand and let's pray. Do you know who you are? And do you believe it? Do you know who you are? Because of what Jesus has done. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. He, it's not something that we deserve. <laughs> mercy is, grace is getting what you don't, what you didn't earn. Mercy's not getting what you do deserve. And he's given us mercy. Do you know who you are? Do you know how chosen you are? Do you know how loved you are? And it's, we share the message out of that. Out of the abundance of his grace, out of the abundance of his love, out of the abundance of his sacrifice, the, his adoption of us as sons, his calling upon his life, our lives, his empowerment. It's all out of who we are in Christ. Because if you know who you are, you have a message to share. So Father, you've called us into this world. You said live such lives that people will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. We want to live such lives that people are going to say, what's up? And we want to have the answer. It's, it's Jesus. <laughs> I want to tell you, that it's Jesus. If you don't know him, he's ready to come into your life today. If you call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. If you believe on him, you believe that he rose from the dead, you believe that he is the Son of God, who came to save you, you believe that, and you ask him to save you, he'll do it. Because, Lord, we all need saving. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.